Greetings, and welcome to At Home with Economics. I'm your host, Bo Garcia, Dean of Community Education and Workforce Development at Lansing Community College. At Home with Economics is a space where we explore business, workforce, and community development initiatives and how they impact our daily lives. Today, we will be interviewing Lori Lansdorf. Lori is the Regional Director of the Small Business Development Center, or SBDC, at Lansing Community College. She's been with the SBDC since 2011, where she has served nearly 2,000 small business clients. Lori, welcome. And tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this line of work? Well, thanks, Bo. It's a pleasure to be here. And I have kind of an interesting background. I, I like to say that business runs in my blood. My father was the vice president of the NAFS department store chain in the late 70s. Remember when that was open? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my brother's an entrepreneur. And I had my own marketing and content writing business for about 11 years when I lived in Seattle, Washington. And I worked with a variety of clients, including some of the areas, local behemoths like Boeing, Microsoft, but I also worked with mostly small businesses, what we might consider mom and pop shops, and even just uh, individual self-employed. And that background gave me a really natural transition to helping small businesses when I moved back to Michigan. When I started with the SBDC in 2011, I was hired as senior business consultant, working directly one-on-one with small businesses, and then I became the regional director three years ago, about a month after the pandemic started. Perfect timing, right? <laughs> exactly. Wow, that is a very comprehensive background, Lori. Now, can you give us a kind of the big picture of the SBDC and what you do and, and, and who do you serve? So the SBDC is uh, essentially a business community outreach program that is located at Lansing Community College. The Michigan SBDC is part of a national program. We have uh, about a thousand service centers mm -hmm. across the country. Wow. And in the state, we have 10 regional centers and they're all hosted at universities and community colleges currently. Okay. Um, we're able to reach out to all 83 counties. And in the capital region, we focus on serving Ingham, Eaton, and Clinton counties. We're, we're here to help Michigan small businesses succeed, essentially. Mm -hmm. We provide confidential free business consulting, business training workshops to help them to start up, to grow, to thrive. People are able to sit down with someone who was trained in business or who managed or owned their own business, and they mm. can uh, get confidential advice um, and then the steps that they need to take to get started to improve their business or operate more effectively. Mm -hmm. So we only serve for-profit small businesses, okay. which uh, by government standards is 500 employees or fewer. And I know that sounds like a lot, but mm -hmm. the reality is uh, most of the businesses we work with have uh, less than 10 employees. Okay. And one amazing thing about our program is that our consulting services and our business trainings are all provided free of charge. Well, that's, that's really interesting. How, how is it that you're able to do that? Well, we have federal, state, and local funding partnership. We have a cooperative agreement with the U.S. Small Business Administration. You probably know about the SBA. That's right. federal. Mm -hmm. uh, with the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, MEDC, that's state. Mm -hmm. And our 10 regional hosts throughout the state of Michigan. And so here, obviously, in the capital region, that's Lansing Community College, yep. where we have been generously hosted by LCC for over 35 years. Excellent. Uh, I like to tell people um, that they've prepaid through their tax dollars, so they yep. might as well take advantage of the services we have to offer. Absolutely. Great information. Now, Lori, what, uh, tell me a little bit about what a typical 
client engagement kind of looks like? Yeah, well, it all depends. We work with uh, businesses in many industries uh, at different times during the business life cycle. We work with restaurants and retail shops, uh, salons, barbershops, fitness centers, event centers, manufacturers, trucking companies, home improvement, healthcare, marketing, artists, photographers, many, many more types of businesses. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people are startups. We're very well known for working with startups. Uh, Some of these people are trying to figure out if entrepreneurship is right for them. They're just kind of dipping their toe in the water. They have an idea and they really need to see if their idea can fly. We don't want them investing their life savings in something that just doesn't have legs to take off. Mm So uh, for them, we start by gathering market research, maybe doing a feasibility study. We help them understand uh, whether there are enough potential customers uh, who might buy their products or services. Mm -hmm. They need to know who's the competition. How much are people willing to pay? Does the client have the skills needed to operate the business? That's something that I'm always on the lookout for. Very true. Um, And so... If they get to the point where they're ready to move forward, we can help them with registrations to form their business, uh, their tax registrations, their sales tax, their limited liability company. We advise them to open a a bank account, set up their bookkeeping, look into insurance. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not attorneys, so we can't advise legally, provide legal advice. We're not accountants. We can't provide tax advice, but we can help them understand what next steps they might need to take and the resources that they might need to take those next steps. Boy, that is absolutely, you know, that's so comprehensive, very broad. This is tremendous information. how about financing? I mean, uh, yeah. that's got to be a big issue. Yeah, yeah. People are always looking for money. And we work with a lot of people looking for loans, um, whether they're new business, buying a business, or an existing business. Um, getting access to capital is one of the biz- biggest needs that they have. Sure, We help clients to write the business plans to make strong case for their business. Now, I'm going to say we don't do the writing ourselves. Sure. We provide the resources, the tools. We'll provide the polish, help put it kind of into lender speak. And one of the exciting things we're doing is we're even starting to to use AI to to help take the burden off of the shoulders of the business owners uh, in order to write business plans. Excellent. Um, the next thing, you know, lenders are going to need financial projections to analyze whether mm-hmm. it's a good investment. And so we help businesses determine startup costs, expenses. Mm-hmm. We produce profit and loss statement, balance sheet, cash flow statement. Wow. Uh, then they're ready. That's the loan package. And then we can refer them okay. to lenders that we know might be interested in funding their industry. Okay. Wow. Yeah, uh, and many businesses also are growing, expanding. They need other assistance, you know, how to hire employees, do HR, what are marketing strategies, strategic planning. Um, Lots of business owners these days are looking towards retirement, and they need help with succession planning. SBDC provides advice in all of these areas. And, and, you know, if we look back to the pandemic, we remember how businesses were struggling financially. And, yeah, you know, we, we do whatever we can to help make them solid. You know, it might be refining pricing st- strategies, business models, uh, product ideas, targeting new customers, and just generally better managing their cash flow. We want them to survive. We want them to flourish. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As I've been listening to you, Lori, it's just amazing. I mean, you go from A to Z, you know, uh, business strategy, uh, concept development, legal structure, market plan development, 
financial plan development. I mean, that is these are these are some of the biggest reasons small businesses fail, and some of the work you guys do is just you know across the board, just fantastic. You know, there is never a time in in the life cycle of the small business when you don't need some kind of assistance. As they grow, if they get very profitable, they can go hire a consultant. Mm -hmm. But, you know, lots of business owners just don't get that to that point. So we are that resource. And yeah, uh, we've worked with businesses that are is is been in business for a hundred years and more. Yeah. And so what's really amazing is all this work is done with just a core team of four of us located at LCC. We're small but mighty. And we typically serve about 500 clients a year. That's amazing. And then we have other resources too, because we're a statewide team. So we have two statewide consulting teams. One focuses on growth or second stage businesses. Those generate over a million dollars in revenue. They have more than 10 employees. And then we have a team focusing on advanced technology. And they're usually doing some kind of research and development. They'll have intellectual wow. property, and they might be in the life science or clean tech, and they need help commercializing wow. their technologies. So not only are you working with traditional small businesses, you're working with uh, innovative life science, you know, clean tech industries, helping commercialize their technology. Lori, this is a this is a phenomenal resource. So, given that you have uh, that type of, of of array of services, what's uh what types of uh, like like uh, outcomes are you are you are you, are you do you produce every year with the SBDC in terms of like uh, you have any uh, any data? Yeah. Oh, oh, do we have data? We track it. You know, we're 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 uh, we're government funded, so you better believe <laughs> we track it. And so, of those that officially documented the results last year, um, we helped forty four businesses to start, um, and we. Over $10 million was generated in capital, so that means either they got financing or they invested it themselves. Um, Those businesses created 190 new jobs, and overall we supported uh, roughly 1,300 jobs through our work. See, that's amazing. I mean, for such a small unit to be able to create and develop and deliver these type of, of outcomes is extraordinary. The economic impact you're talking about has great ripple effect. And I know that, I mean, you're talking about the lives of individuals and in their life savings and their dreams, and uh, you're doing phenomenal work there. And so, Lori, like, um, you know, there's 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 a lot being said right now and efforts being made in relation to underrepresented communities. Is there anything that the SBDC has been doing uh, to provide a greater outreach to uh, to serve these business owners? Oh, absolutely. Over the last few years, we've worked very intentionally to serve more underrepresented businesses, uh, meaning uh, people of color, women-owned businesses, veteran-owned businesses. Hmm. And we've been able to increase our ga- engagement substantially through a couple hmm. of initiatives. Okay. Um, one is the One and All Inclusive Entrepreneurship Program that was designed just for these businesses, and um, they're also at or below the working poor level. Okay. We partnered with the Lansing Economic Area Partnership, LEAP, mm-hmm. and we provide the business consulting or coaching for this. It, it's a it's a cohort-based program. Mm-hmm. Uh, participants also received other services. They were paired with a mentor. They received a seed grant of $2,500, which That's is just great. huge, yeah, mm-hmm. to, to help move their ideas forward. And it's just been incredibly successful. We finished up our seventh cohort, I think, last week. Uh, over, it's been a two and a half year period. And over that time, there've been roughly 140 graduates. That's excellent. 
Um, the second program is also a collaboration with LEAP where we've been able to bring on an inclusion team to provide outreach to better serve some of these small business owners. Mm-hmm. We hired a recruiter to reach out to the Hispanic community, Great. spread the word about our services. We hired a Spanish-speaking interpreter to make our services more accessible. Great. We hired, hired a, a female consultant of color who can serve all of these different business owners. Okay. And so these initiatives have helped us increase our, our minority BIPOC engagement by 14%, which excellent. is just huge for us. Um, overall, about 41% of our clients are businesses of color, 51% women-owned, and 6% are veteran. That is exceptional. And you know that is highly statistically significant. Did you say 41% of your clients are uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Businesses of color. Yeah, absolutely. What, what was that percentage of women again? I'm sorry. Uh, 51%. Wow. So just a little over half. And, it, and that really um, fits with the community. You know. Wow. It is just phenomenal. Um, I know that, you know, you, you're very active in the community, the SBDC. And, you know, it's, you rely upon uh, in collaboration with other organizations. What, who, who do you work with? Yeah, we, we, you know, we really couldn't do the work we do without, um, without our partners and collaborators. So I've mentioned Leap. They're one of our strongest partners. And of course, mm-hmm. our funders, SBA and MEDC, but we have a lot of local partners as well. Um, Downtown Lansing, Inc., um, who uh, oversees business activities in the downtown area. We partner with them through their Middle Village Micromarket. It's a retail incubator where where we provide training and services to the tenants there. And if you haven't shopped there, it's a great place to check out all these just budding little businesses. We collaborate with Old Town Commercial Association. We work very closely with downtown Charlotte merchants and the Charlotte Rising organization. We provide on-site business trainings to tenants of Allen Allen Street Neighborhood Center and their food incubator and accelerated programs. And then we have many partners that include chambers of commerce, including Lansing and the Greater Lansing Hispanic Chamber, the Melanated Business Alliance, Black Wall Streets. Mm -hmm. We have economic development partners such as Meridian Township and Delta Township as well. Mm-hmm. And we really try to reach as, as many organizations as we possibly can. Wow. Laura, you and your team are doing some really amazing work. And, you know, I know that these consulting sessions that you have and services you provide are so vitally important to not only a regional community, but also at a very personal level. You know, you meet with individuals, as I mentioned earlier, that have everything at stake. You know, they're, they're putting up their, their homes and mortgages and there's a lot on the table. So, you know, really appreciate the care and the sincere work that you do with these individuals and and helping them make the best decisions for their lives. So, you know, great job to you and your team. I just want to thank you so much for sharing this great information about the SBDC and how it helps small businesses grow and create jobs for our regional community. I guess I should say you can find out more about us at michigansbdc.org. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you all so much for the pleasure and privilege of your time. At Home with Economics is a space where we explore business, workforce, and community development initiatives and how they impact our daily lives. This has been your host, Bo Garcia. Have a tremendous day. Keep connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.
Academic success is a priority at Lansing Community College. And when assistance is needed, tutoring is available to all students. LCC's tutoring services has developed several options to work with students, including WebEx tutoring sessions, math exam prep parties, and the Writing Center. To find out more about tutoring services, visit lcc.edu tutoring. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. On the success scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students who face adversity, why they chose LCC, and how they turn their situation into a successful one. Definitely now after second semester, my self-confidence is up there. I can do this and I can do this well. Age has nothing to do with it. Like I told you before, I have, the, I have notes from that first meeting and it was, take your age out of it. You deserve to be here. You belong here. I'm Dustin Abrego. The Success Scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. By utilizing interactive activities, the Youth Summer Camp at LCC gives kids in grades 2 through 12 the chance to explore science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. Scholarship opportunities are available. Details can be found at lcc.edu slash serious fun. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hello, friends, and welcome to Coach Cuts Corner. Streaming bright from Michigan's capital city, this podcast is dedicated to helping you better understand the who, the what, and the why of mental performance, personal growth, and Lansing Stars baseball. Coach Cuts Corner, brought to you by iWatch. And now here's your host, Stephen Cutter. Welcome back or welcome to Coach Cuts Podcast. I'm Stephen Cutter and today I'm joined in studio by Hayden Modaff. Coach Modaff is an assistant coach and our recording coordinator here. I'm also joined in studio by Chris Heggie, sophomore shortstop for the Stars and Division One commit. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So uh, let's get started a little bit. Let's talk about where you've come from, Chris. Yeah, so I'm from uh, Lake Orion, Michigan, 40 minutes uh, from Detroit. Did you have a, uh, a really good high school team? Uh, we had a decent high school team. We were a team that would constantly win our league, but we would struggle in playoffs. Coach Modaf, kind of wanted to 
talk to you because we're in about the middle of the Stars season right now. The mm -hmm. Stars are ranked anywhere from number three in the country to number six in the country, and though rankings are just nothing more than rankings in April, they're certainly in, in beginning to become more important. The Stars have played quite a few games. You know, if you looked at teams throughout the country that are in warmer weather climates, they certainly got a lot of games in long before we did. We were on a spring trip and, mm -hmm. you know, we were playing teams that had 15 to 20 games in. And now we're playing anywhere from six to eight games a week. And yeah. uh, the Stars are on a 20 game winning streak. And kind of what's been your impressions of the season so far as the Stars come in at 23 and five currently? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I think even when we were down in Mississippi and we took our lumps uh, in a couple games, uh, there were kind of growth moments and and viewing it from kind of the process, process-based outcomes, stuff like that, it really put things into perspective. And, and you know, one of the things is is our offense is, is a ton of fun to watch this year. It was a lot of fun to watch last year too, but this year it's kind of at a different level. And then, you know, when you look at the pitching side of things, it's maybe even more fun to watch our pitchers and what they're doing with, you know, we've got Hunter Shaw. He's, he's a freshman that, you know, he's only allowed one run in 26 innings now. It's it's wild what, what they're doing. I think we're at six shutouts already so far this year. Um, and, and gosh, I mean, I, would we have maybe one or two last year, something like that? It's kind of a whole team effort. And, and our defense is, you know, ranked, you know, 10th in the country right now in efficiency. So it's success it's, leaves clues for sure. You know, the offense is third and right around third in the country in mm -hmm. offense. So success really leaves clues. And there's a lot of clues to be to be left with the stars. It's It's been a good start to the season. The weather has not been great at all. No. You know, Chris, do you enjoy playing in cold weather? I've, I've seen you. It looks like you basically have a snowmobile suit on at times when you're out there playing. Do you feel like that affects how you move and and, and then sometimes how you play? I can definitely see that getting in the way. Um, I'm definitely someone who does not enjoy the cold at all. So I'm someone who has three layers on underneath my jersey, and then maybe even more if I need it. Yeah. So I do find that sometimes getting in the way when you tighten up during the game. I mean, it's cold. So during the start of the game, you're usually pretty fine. But it gets towards that third, fourth inning, and that cold really starts to set in, and you kind of mm -hmm. stiffen up. and. Yeah, with you, your undershirt stuff, you're right? using metal bats, and 100%. you know you don't get one off the barrel. You certainly feel it more, and it's it's definitely challenging. But I think it, you know iron sharpens iron a little bit, and it makes you a little bit stronger. And you know one of the things um, we'll talk about mental performance a little bit today. But one of the things that you know we're constantly talking about and thinking about is you know everybody's got to deal with it. You know it's mm -hmm. it, the other the other team has to deal with it too. You know the announcers have to deal with it. The the umpires have to deal with it and the coaches have to deal with it. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a solid three layer guy too. And, and usually it's not enough. I'm <laughs> usually fairly cold. So I'm trying to come up with ways in the dugout to generate some heat, you know, whether it's uh, artificial heaters or whatever we need to do, but the energy in our dugout is super special. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's that, that helps for sure. But uh, you know, we we're starting to get into some warmer weather and with the warmer weather, you typically get rain and we in the Lansing area, we had a lot of rain and we just went through something that was, you know, pretty pivotal in our program and our field flooded and caused a lot of damage. And it was we've had to reschedule home games and and we've, you know, found a way to be able to do that. And teams have been pretty accommodating with those scheduling. But, 
you know, I, I noticed that you've got a Band-Aid on your thumb. And, and do you want to talk about, you know, what's going on over there with the uh, Band-Aid? Yeah, so we had to brush off and rake off a ton of dirt out of the out, outfield yesterday. And uh, yeah. there was the, the warning track the, washed out and correct. basically uh, washed into our outfield. And so we had kind of and commandeered the uh the baseball players to get the the dirt off and so you're one of them and and so that's a blister you got going on over there yeah no you know just a little adversity it's some stuff okay. we like in the stars we okay. love it day to day you know day to day 10 day so you know we dealt with the our field we've dealt with cold weather we've you know we've dealt with different things mo you touched on you know we had some adversity we we we're playing the number one team in the country earlier in the season. I think it was, you know, w- within five games, our first five games, and yeah. we get walked off in the final inning. And, you know, just some crazy stuff has happened to this team. Yeah. And yet, here we are, we're looking at, you know, seven weeks in or whatever it is. And, you know, we're, we're top five in the country. Uh, we've got a 20-game winning streak going. It, it to you guys, is that more success leaves clues or, you know, what's going on with the program and, and kind of, you know, how are the, especially for you, Chris, how, how's the team handling, you know, winning 20 games in a row? Because baseball is a very superstitious sport. Do you have anything that you're doing the same to keep the streak going or you're not even thinking about it at all? Uh, it's definitely in the back of my mind, but it's not something that's a huge focus for me. Definitely. It's just taking it day by day. And staying in the same routine because the same routine is what's getting us the results. So nothing needs to change. So just keeping it day by day. So talking about b- baseball being superstitious, and we often talk about mental performance on the show. What are some of the things in the game that you're constantly seeing that's uh, very superstitious based f- with baseball players? Uh, definitely seeing stuff like in the box. Uh, we have started doing stuff with the left left field foul pole and the right field foul pole which has been huge for us and I would even say for me too um, I've used it almost I mean I've used it every at bat so I mean having that with us to have a routine when you're in bat and to keep the mind calm is huge for hitters do you, do you step on the lines I do not never step on the lines I always try to jump over them. what about you Mo no no, never do. Really? Yeah, I, I do. I'm not afraid of the lines. I'll step on them. No big deal. Okay, what other superstitions do baseball players have? Uh, I would say some superstitions we have is with our gloves. Um, I write some stuff in my glove that I love to look at. Keeps me mentally intact and everything. Is like that, that always changing, or is there, a, you know, one specific or one or two specific things that you have written in your glove? There's, there's two words that I like to say. It's uh, stay loose. Uh, I find myself. <laughs> in the field, especially uh, having a fast mind and speeding things up when I just need to stay loose and trust the process and do what I do. And do you carry your glove in in your bag? I do not. It always stays in my hand, never goes in my bag, so it doesn't get smushed. So that's taboo to put your glove in your bag? Very much, I would say so. Unless you have, there are some baseball bags that have a glove department. Okay. So you could let that one slide. Okay. What about you, Mo? Uh, I think Bobby Cavan wore the same undershirt every single practice last year. Okay. Don't know if that was superstition or just uh, poor uh, hygiene habits. Just didn't want to wash him. It might have been poor hygiene. Yeah. We love Bob, and he's uh, doing well now at uh, Madonna. Let's talk a little bit about our core values in our our program. We, We have three core values. 
uncommon, selfless, and excellence. And we talk about those daily. It's not just words that go on a wall or a t-shirt, but we talk about you know being uncommon, being selfless, and showing excellence in everything that we do, whether it's in the classroom, in the community, which we'll touch on here in a little bit, or in our normal everyday lives. How do you see that's kind of transformed our program, Mo? Yeah, I think, you know, just from, I remember when we walked in to the first meeting we had this, this year in August and we were looking around and you looked at me and you said, gosh, we, we have a lot of freshmen and you can tell. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was a little absolutely taken aback by that where, okay, we've got a long way to go. And there are points this fall when we were driving around and playing games and giving up giant innings and scoring giant innings and all that. We're kind of riding this roller coaster where you're like, all right, we've got around into form, all this, the doubt starts creeping in, the, the nervousness and all that. But then, then you fall back on really what the core values are. And when you've got stuff that is clearly dis- defined, like what ours are, and you've got, uh, the imagery of it and you've got the process involved in, in getting them there. It becomes not easy. It's never easy, but it becomes a little bit more assured and it's something you can go to sleep at night and and sleep comfortably where you're like, it's coming and it'll get there. You just trust with it and, and hold yourself accountable. And I think we're super intentional about what Mm -hmm. we do and we define things as much as we possibly can. And we understand that, you know, it's more than just saying, trust the process that you've, you've got to be really intentional with what processes you have, because if you're doing the wrong processes, you can trust those all you want, but you're not going to get the the results that you hope to get at the end of the, the rainbow kind of deal. You know, you talked about how in August, we had we felt like we had a lot of freshmen mm-hmm. and they had a long way to go. Chris, can you touch on that a little bit? The difference between, say, August last year when you were a freshman, you were straight out of high school. And then this year in, in August, when you come in and you have you played summer ball, you'd, you'd done a lot of training. You, you were on a team that went to the College World Series. You were the starting shortstop last year. You know, you had a really good season. So you had that experience and you had you know, actually a lot more experience than regular college athletes, because if you can get to the college world series, that experience alone is so, so valuable. But can you talk about the differences when you walked in first as a freshman and then where you're at right now? Yeah, I could say the difference between then and now is night and day. Um, The mental performance training that I've had is, has been awesome. I've, when I first got here, I was like, kid who was all mental everything was up in my head I everything came from here so having the ability to train with mental performance was huge for me in order to uh, unlock my mental performance and really use it for an advantage in baseball because I mean baseball is a huge mental sport huge Mm -hmm, so being able to focus on that more which obviously earlier in my career was not a huge focus. It was all about the physical, being able to hit the ball hard. And when in reality, if you can do that, but being able to do that in game at a high percentage with your mental performance is what you need. And that's, that was been huge for me. And I think you can really be honest here, but you know, when we started that, 
last year when we were hired and we came in, uh, were you at times like looking around wondering, you know, what's going on? Because we were, we did a lot of different things for mental performance. We weren't necessarily a team that would go out in center field and have everybody lay down and take a picture of it and put it on Twitter. You know, that, that wasn't our thing. But we did a lot of different things and we put people in really uncomfortable situations where it involved silence or, you know, just thinking without having a screen in front of your face and having that kind of stimulation. Was it a little bit weird for you at first? Oh, no doubt. I mean, the first couple of weeks, it was definitely new and it was interesting. But after the first couple of weeks, I could see what it was doing and I could see that we could if we were all in this together and we all worked at it that it was going to be something huge. And it ended up being something huge. We were able to get to that World Series that year. Right. A team that really uh, was not, didn't have a whole lot of backups, we could say. Right. So yeah. it was huge. <laughs> yeah. I, I call that a special team. And that was certainly a, a very special team. And it was special for a lot of different reasons. And I think from the coaching standpoint, from our coaching staff really could see that the team had not bought in right away. They were still trying to feel things out. Some had bought in, some hadn't. But really by the time we got to May last year, it was a team that mm -hmm. if we said, uh, go walk through the Red Cedar River to get to the other side and then come back out and dry your feet off and put your cleats on, let's go to practice, the whole team would have done it. And, you know, I kind of go back to some of my coaching philosophies and I, I believe that we can get our team to do anything. The, the sticker to that is we just can't get you guys to do everything. So we have to be super intentional and very detailed about what we ask you guys to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we do a lot of things in the community. Once again, that is stuff that you just do not see on our social media. It's not stuff that once a year we do this or, or, you know, every three months we do that. We do a lot of things. We have an incredible partnership that we've created with the KCS Angels. Chris, you're, you're one of the stars, part of the stars 517 team that goes over there every Friday. What's that experience been like for you? It's awesome. I mean, as when I was in high school, I had the great opportunity of being able to work with special needs kids and stuff like that. So being able to do that on a different level and be almost like a role model to those guys is awesome. I mean, it's it's not it's something it's hard to explain. I mean, those guys they love you there and they to do. have that support there is it's it's unmatched. I mean, they really just want to be treated normal and it's it is. You, I mean, you, you've said awesome a few times, and it is. It's, it's incredible. If you, if you were to be there when the 517 team walks in on Friday mornings, the, the place just lights up, and you see people running to, to you guys like Paul and, and the rest of them that are giving out hugs. And, you know, you'll ask Paul how long he's been waiting for us to show up, and he'll say something like, you know, I've been waiting for 36 hours for you guys to show up all day, all day. <laughs> and that really transcends a whole lot of things because that is providing something that is so much more than us uh, working on our IO and things like that, which we work on our IO all the time. Right, Mo? Yeah. Can't hit fungos. <clears throat> and the stars team is going out on Sunday to work with the East Lansing little league. And we'll be providing a clinic uh, coming up very soon 
for them. And that's for ages I, 8U to about 14U. Can you kind of speak on that when you get an opportunity to work with young kids? And I'll kind of wrap with, you know, how we ended up going to East Lansing's Little League. Yeah, um, last year we had um, the East Lansing Little League team come to one of our games, which was awesome to have them come out onto the field and get to warm up with us, which was really cool for them. I can, as they were, they all had all big smiles on their face. And then <laughs> I also got to talk to one of the dads of one of the kids, and I was able to really? get one of his phone numbers. And I still text them today. I keep them updated on how we're doing. I've been. They've been trying to come out to a I game. I didn't know but, this. Yeah. But they've been trying to come out to a game, but they have not been able to yet. But yeah, I remember texting um, them like all last season. And my, one of my favorite moments when I was texting them and I totally didn't expect it is we were in Enid and we were playing Pro River and I had hit a home run that game. And I mean, I got a text from my mom and dad and that was all expected, but I got a text from him too. Yeah. And it was the longest one of them all <laughs> say saying all this stuff about the game and everything. It was, it was awesome to, That's sweet. I mean, even though we fell short that game to come back on the bus and see that text, it was, it was awesome to see that. Yeah. East Lansing little league actually reached out to me last year and we, we talked about this a little bit, but they, mm -hmm. they reached out with a really simple thing. They wanted to know if we had any extra baseballs and, it's a common question. I think you look at a college program and you're going to figure they've got a lot of baseballs. But if anybody really knows our backstory, we, we didn't really have a whole lot of baseballs. And we kind of managed together a couple buckets of some balls that were in pretty rough shape and, and some other team gear that was a little bit miscellaneous or mismatched or whatever and gave that to them. And, and it's funny because, you know, if you look at a college program and you're you've got some bad baseballs, you're going to have some people complaining about those and you give them to a little league program and it was, it was like gold to them. So it reminds me of a saying, you know, I, I felt bad because I didn't have any shoes, which I tend to have a few new balances, but I felt, I felt bad <laughs> because I didn't have any shoes until I met a man that didn't have any feet. And it, it you know, that perspective is super important perspectives incredibly important in the game of baseball as well because you know you can you can line out four times and be 0 for 4 for the day and that hurts your average and your on-base percentage and everything else but you know if you have four barrels that's the perspective that we drive in our program and we try to you know because of the core values and being selfless it's more important to put the egos away drive for something that's more important that's team oriented uh, to, to have joy, to, to have happiness, uh, to not chase the right side of the scoreboard, but to chase standards. And we've been in some games where the offense has put up a lot of runs and the, the pitching staff has held the other opponent to not very many runs. And if we're chasing the right side of the scoreboard, we start getting a little lackadaisical. We start taking that bats off or innings off and things like that. But we try to, you know, really teach that we're competing against standards and we're competing against the game and that's it. And it's not about what name is on the opponent's Jersey. We're competing against ourselves. We don't do a whole lot of scouting reports in our program. You don't see, you know, in our dugout, a whole lot of things out there about the teams we're playing because we're more concerned about what we're doing and we're trying to be our best 
and we're not trying to beat the other team. We're just trying to be our best. And and if we do that, and we've done that this year, and we did it last year too, we do that, and we do that really well, then the results pretty much take care of themselves. And I, I, one of our podcasts, I was talking to Coach Modaf, and I said, I don't. This team might lose every game they play this year, but I know that we're still going to have a lot of fun, and the players are going to learn an absolute ton, and our coaching staff is going to be. <laughs> learning a lot too because in life you're you're never staying the same you're either getting better or you're getting worse and that's a hard thing for people to think about but if if you're not getting better you you are getting worse and in the game of baseball is the same thing you can you can't as a college athlete you can't go just take the summer off and not swing or, or throw or whatever it might be and then expect in the fall to join a roster again and be in a good spot you know, it's just because you've gotten worse mm-hmm. and it might not have been intentional. You, you didn't want to get worse, but, you know, that's that's kind of what happens. And, you know, we see a lot of that in our program Big when time. when we take time off and that time off can be around the holidays or or anything else or the mandated times off that we have to have. And I know that's something that we stress. I mean, on the recruiting side alone, where high school kids are, are super excited to, to commit somewhere and they're happy to come here because they feel like this is the right fit to get them where they need to go. And they usually call me and they usually tell, call coach cutter. And I've been in on a couple calls with coach cutter where he stresses like, yeah, the congratulations, but the work is just beginning and, you know, really pushing, you know, when you, you need to be ready when you step in in the fall to, to play a part in this program. And, and it's the same with returners like like you, Chris, where you know what it takes and, you know, that, that summer in between the end of your freshman year to the start of your sophomore year, it's really, what, two, two and a half months here? Right. And, but mm-hmm. that's pivotal. Like those eight weeks off or ten weeks off, they can set you back months, maybe maybe half a year, right, more, more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was I had a couple TV interviews over the last couple of days and somebody one of the reporters asked me, "How important do you think it is to have kids that are multi-sport athletes?" And and what he was kind of getting at was Hunter Shaw kicked a game-winning field goal in high school to mm-hmm. win a state championship and he wanted to know how important that was. And in a lot of ways, competing at high levels is is super important. That's one of the biggest things that you can do. If you're competing and dominating a certain level, then you need to start playing at a higher level so that you can be forced into those uncomfortable situations and those weird feelings. Um, but how important, were you a multi-sport athlete? I was. Do you think that helped you? Uh, I would say definitely it was, I mean, having competition, other sports in different ways is huge. I mean, just being able to compete in general. Okay. What sports did you play? I played basketball. Okay. But basketball is a weird season for baseball players because it starts in the late fall and goes basically right up until baseball season Mm -hmm. starts. So if you're not, you know, incredibly intentional about baseball as well, it's going to be pretty hard to put down a bat or stop throwing for those months that basketball season goes and then pick up that bat or baseball mm-hmm. and be good. Did did you struggle with that at all? Um, I did a little bit. I found time towards the end of like basketball season to start swinging in cages and stuff like that with high school with my high school coach. We would have like early practices like before the season with 
like four man team, like four mans okay. where we would practice. So like during those times, I was able to. When did you know that you were going to play college baseball or that you wanted to play college baseball? Uh, I knew my whole life that I wanted to play college baseball. Really? Okay. Yes. And you're a Division One commit. Where are you heading? I'm going to Western Illinois. Hey. Go next, baby. Neck up. Yes, sir. Love that. Love that. Was that a pretty hard choice? Um, it was. It wasn't a huge choice, hard choice, but it definitely was an exciting choice. I was super excited to finally get the opportunity to play at the Division One level. Um, it wasn't something I had the opportunity to have in high school, so to be able to work for it and finally get that opportunity was awesome to get it. And you know. Finally, kind of wrapping, that's the beauty of going to a great junior college program. Mm -hmm. Your story, and we have other stories in our program, that's what makes it special here. Coach Cuts Corner is recorded live in the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Dedalian Lowry. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it and follow us on all the platforms of social media. You can find more about our program at lccstars.com. And donations to our baseball program can be made at the same site. See you next time. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Lansing Community College Massage Clinic is open to the public and provides an opportunity for the students of the massage program to gain valuable client experience. Relaxation massages and therapeutic massages are both available at a nominal fee. Visit lcc.edu massage for more information. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water. Your air. Your food. You're going to need our organizational skills. Our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination. Our honesty. Our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. LCC Connect is looking for Lansing Community College students to vibe with us. Join us for the podcast power-up contest. Students, your voice is important, so take this opportunity to tell us what's important to you with the chance to host a podcast radio show on 89.7 FM. We'll be taking power-up submissions through the end of summer. Catch the vibe and find the details at lcc.edu slash power-up. That's lcc.edu slash power-up.
Michigan residents age 25 or older may qualify for Michigan ReConnect, a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. ReConnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu reconnect for more information. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. It's early March of 2017 and it's raining. I'm headed to work at Lansing Community College's downtown campus. At the time, my role was as creative director, and I was involved in various campus beautification projects. They were all different. I'm using the word work lightly, but I'll get back to that later. I get a call and was asked how quickly I could mock up some design ideas for this thing that was recently donated to the college. I'm already on the highway, so I may as well proceed to our west campus to check it out. That's where it was. The thing in question was a retired, decommissioned manufacturing robotic arm. Very unique, very singular in its presence. Uh, let's see if I can describe this thing. It was about nine feet tall, you know, with the, the orange paint, the, the do not get near me orange paint. It was old. I mean, it was, uh, it had almost a uh, retro 50s futuristic vibe, if you know what I'm saying. Whatever it did, nobody knew. I mean, the end of it, the, the tip of the arm had been um, taken off. So there it sat. Uh, the intent was for this object to become an art object representative of the college's technical expertise in an artistic way, kind of a beacon to uh, reside outside the doorway of our brand new Center for Manufacturing Excellence, which is uh, it's a multi-million dollar robotics training facility at LCC West. The only one of its kind in the Midwest, I understood at the time. I think back to a former life in the uh, late 80s as a line worker in Lansing's Fisher Body Plant. I was an automotive coach builder for General Motors. My first encounter with manufacturing robots was at a section of the line known as the Spider Assembly. There were eight welding robots, four situated on each side of the assembly line. The car chassis would come through and stop, and each arm would dart around and quickly and precisely join its designated seams with welds. Each frame took, um, I, don't, I don't think they took more than 30 seconds each, it was amazing. I can remember the sound of multiple hydraulics and the snapping and crackling of the welding, and the smell of grease and scorched metal. For whatever reason, there wasn't much lighting other than, you know, the showers of sparks coming off the things. Uh, there was yellow painted warning lines on the floor to keep the humans clear of the action. Well, and at distance at any rate, the entire production resembled an enormous upside down mechanical spider. At that time, it looked like something out of a science fiction movie. Anyway, the machine I was standing in front of at West seemed categorically different than what I remembered from the welding bots. I mean, I suppose if they fed one steroids or something, you know, we'd get this, but who knows what it did. At any rate, I took some pictures, uh, headed back, took some pictures of the outside of the CME, and I mocked up what this might turn into. For as long as I can remember, I've been infatuated with the Tron movies. You know, first the, the first Tron in the 1980s and then the reboot mainly for the design, because I'm a sucker for keen art direction, and there was nothing else like it. And I thought, given the lines of our, our, our giant beast, maybe some of that could be translated graphically. 
to this thing. I mocked something up, it went over okay, and the next phase was to figure out how to do it. Every one of these projects had a different flair, different expectations, different challenges. It was at once exciting and frightening. I always went back to one of my standout quotes, argue for your limitations and you get to keep them. So we had to figure this out. And the first thing was to remediate that hideous orange paint. It looked like it had been through a war. There was a company that we used at the time. Um, they helped us out with several, several uh, projects on campus that were specialists at doing this. Uh, the facility was like, I mean, amazing facility for paint and refinishing and so on. So two and a half tons of robotic arm got loaded on a flatbed truck with a crane. Off it went. You know, there were things that they had to do to it. Uh, first thing first, they had to weld the joints together. They didn't want it to articulate anymore. It had to be a sculpture, a solid sculpture. And next was to, to drain it. I mean, there was grease and oil seeping out of this thing. I still don't know how they did it. I mean, imagine having to do that to clean it up, to get it prepped for paint. They suspended it, bead blasted it down to the metal, primed it, and applied the most amazing, beautiful, deep blue metallic paint. Clear coat. I mean, just stunning. This midnight blue, right? I mean, the day came when the paint cured, and I had, at the time, while the painting was going on, I was um, designing the graphics, you know, and what were the graphics gonna be? Kicked around the idea of using fluorescent paint, you know, and stent, you know, frisk it and airbrushing this thing, and, you know, I didn't want to put a knife on any of that, uh, that clear coat finish and disturb it. What we figured was appliques, stickers, uh, but then again, Michigan's weather, you know, the freeze and thaw cycle and the heat and the, and the cold. How long would these things last if we went that route? Well, one of our other vendors, uh, a display company, uh, recommended this uh, material from 3M. It was top drawer. It was industrial strength, reflective adhesive vinyl. And it was a real deal. I mean, uh, white, it had like a, a metal flake in it, a white flake in it. Um, our goal was for this thing to just light up anytime headlights hit it out in the parking lot. So while the beast was being painted, I, um, I was designing graphics in Adobe Illustrator on you know, the computer, the line work, and took the file, had the uh, graphics converted to for a plotter that trimmed those shapes out of the white 3M material. So I had a few sheets of these things, and they looked like odd shapes, donuts and hot dogs and weird lines and everything that I had designed according to the various services on the, on the arm, on the robotic arm. Uh, next step was uh, the best, uh, the funnest. It was me uh, on the floor, you know, three days on a filthy garage floor applying stickers to a giant robotic arm. I was a blast. I will not kid you. I mean, I, at one point I stopped and I said, I'm actually getting paid to do this. This is work, you know? What that process reminded me of was, um, you know, as a kid, you know, you put together these models, you know, cars or planes or whatnot, you know, the, the plastic models you glue together. And the best part, for me, the best part was putting the stickers on at the end. There was something ceremonial about it, right? And uh, that's what this reminded me of, but on a much, obviously a much grander scale. Got to know a lot of the guys at this, at this shop, and they were, uh, started out pretty concerned that I'd mess up their paint job. But uh, after a couple days, they, they saw the direction I was going in. And it really took on, took on some personality, and it turned out okay. It was installed, the flatbed truck came back with the crane, and there were hooks built into this beast to lift it. Not surprisingly, how else are you gonna get it around? 
out at west in front of the CME. A pedestal was poured, a big circular pedestal, and power was brought in. An important note to make was what to put on the end of this thing. All this while, there were faculty and staff members at our technical careers division who were designing and fabricating a claw with a lightsaber, or an approximation of a lightsaber. You're familiar with the Star Wars franchise, who isn't? You know, something from my original mock-up. They built this thing, they ran conduit through the arm. Um, the claw itself was machined from a single piece of aluminum, block of aluminum. Really cool. I mean, to have these tools, creatively speaking, at your disposal, it just, um, it's mind-bending, you know, possibilities, right? So they were working on that. Uh, they had um, a long rod of polycarbonate, hollow polycarbonate, with uh, they installed LEDs, and uh, that was installed on the tip of the arm, and the conduit was run through the machine, down through the, uh, the port pedestal. So, yeah, it's there. You know, they bolted it down, uh, it lights up. You know, at night it's lit up, and you walk by it, and you can't not look at it. it there's something, it's something uniquely weird about it. And it was, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. That was five years ago. And uh, I was out there just last week. I enrolled for a creative welding class. Amazing facility, by the way. And um, I thought, oh, check this out. I walked up to it because I was curious. I wanted to see if the stickers had started cracking or whatever. Nope. Still looked like new. This stuff was outperforming everything. And it was uh, definitely the right way to go. So um, if you're ever on West Campus, uh, check it out. Tron meets the Iron Giant. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Edwin Land once said, Industry is best at the intersection of science and art. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's downtown and west campuses offer conference and event spaces that can accommodate over 500 attendees. Professional event planners are available for assistance from setup to catering. For more information about LCC's conference and event spaces, visit lcc.edu and search conference. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? Would you notice an eight-year-old girl who's not, not excited, excited for, for summer, summer break because she may not be having lunch again until September? Or a war veteran who's it's having a hard time, time landing a job and getting back on his feet? I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. I, I am, am hunger, hunger in, in America. America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. The Modern Warehousing Program through the Job Training Center at Lansing Community College is an industry-led program that prepares individuals for frontline material handling and supply chain logistic positions in medical centers, fulfillment centers, warehouses, and factories. Those who complete this program can earn multiple certifications. Visit lcc.edu slash JTC training for more information. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College.
To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.